I'm making more through just my own work. I'm making more than double what, than what I did when I was full-time. From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a long career as an employed professional. Today on episode 129 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with the founder and CEO of Fractional Leadership, Ben Wolf. If you've left or are thinking about leaving an executive position and you want to take control over your career while making enough money to support your lifestyle, you'll want to hear my conversation with Ben. Stay with us to hear all the details. Knowing how you can work within a new business model and framework is critical to your long-term success. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, we provide the kinds of tools and resources you need to support your business success, as well as access to experts, answers to your burning questions, and the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com slash community. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash community. Now let's welcome Ben Wolf. Ben is the founder and CEO of Fractional Leadership. He's the author of Fractional Leadership, Landing Executive Talent You Thought Was Out of Reach. He wrote his book and created fractionalleadership.io to educate business owners and leaders on what fractional leadership is, how it works, and to help them find right fit fractional leaders. As background, after building a tech-powered healthcare startup from zero to the largest organization of its type in New York State, he went solo and created a fractional integrator or outsourced COO firm, Wolf's Edge Consulting. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, David. It's a pleasure. Pleasure to have you on. So you left a high-powered job as an employee, you went solo, and then you saw a particular need in the marketplace for executives who are going solo. Can you provide some background on your own career journey, a little more details and and kind of how it led you to start Fractional Leadership? Sure. I mean, I started, you know, when I when I started doing the Fractional Integrator, you know, like outsourced COO thing, it, you know, like it, like most people going solo, I was I was solo. I was a solopreneur. I was trying to now sell myself as a product, my services instead of whatever I was doing for a much larger business, which as you know, is a very different thing. So I did a lot of hustling, a lot of, you know, tried to do metrics-based, you know, business development for myself, tried to learn from other people about what worked. And, you know, I had many, many months of no growth and then slow growth. And then, you know, finally a couple months really after COVID, things and, and kind of the the shock wore off of people a little bit and started and their businesses started to get more active again. And that's when things really started to take off for me as a fractional COO or integrator. So I, you know, became fully booked and then, you know, continued finding one client and another, and then I freed up and got another client and I continued getting, you know, continued getting referrals and, and business and people inquiring about, you know, getting my help. But you know, obviously there's only so many hours a day. I'm limited to what I could do myself. Um, at the same time, I was meeting tons of other people that were doing similar things, C-level engagements with clients, fractional, you know, what I now call fractional leadership, but not just as integrators and COOs, but also CMOs, CFOs, CIOs, CTOs, all the Cs, 
all the O's, right? And connected to a lot of people that way. I was also involved very heavily, am also very heavily involved in the EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system world, which is like a set of tools or an operating system, so to speak, for small and mid-sized businesses and how to grow effectively, not have to reinvent the wheel on how to run a business. And so I met tons and tons of people also in the fractional leadership space from the EOS world and, and all of that networking. And I just came to realize that there is a huge gap in the world, that there's thousands and thousands of people, both solo practitioners and firms, some of them over 100 people, providing fractional C-level services to clients, fractional leadership. And there was zero, and there, there was zero centralization. There was zero center of gravity in this whole fractional executive leadership space, whether for firms or solo practitioners. And, you know, I just saw there was a gap there. There was something missing. People Google any kind of word they might know or think of for fractional leader. They wouldn't know what to Google. They wouldn't know what to search. Uh, and even if they search one thing, they're only going to get, you know, 10, 20% of the results because everybody uses different terminology for the same things. One calls it an outsourced CFO. Another one calls it a fractional CFO. Another one calls it CFO as a service et cetera, et cetera. Everyone has different terminology. So I just saw that center of gravity for this whole space was just something that was needed. Nobody was doing it. There was not a single comprehensive guide for business owners on what fractional leadership is, how it works, you know, what good it does. Is it for you? Is it not for you? And so, you know, as uh, as a great sage once said, we, you know, where you see there is no man, strive to be the man. So, you know, I decided to write the book. I wrote the book on fractional leadership. Uh, just came out, you know, recently, Fractional Leadership, Learning Executive Talent You Thought Was Out of Reach. And um, and in connection with that, I thought, okay, it's great if I could educate people, explain what it is, how to figure out if it's for you, but you still have the very arduous process and manual process, both for the fractional executives, those who went solo, and for the business owners of kissing a million frogs, of, you know, not you know, the manual Google searches and, and all the different terminologies that are used and trying to see if the people you're looking for have the industry experience you need or if the client needs the kind of industry experience you have or if, again, if you're looking for clients, if they can afford you and you end up getting in all these wasted time calls uh, and kissing lots of frogs on both sides. And I thought, you know, it would be great if I could find a way to make the process much, 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 much easier to actually utilize the stuff I teach in the book so I created Fractional Leadership as a business, not just a book, as a vetted fractional leader platform. So, you know, vetting, reference checking, profiling, meeting, core values, you know, kind of meetings with all kinds of fractional leaders, again, both firms and solo practitioners, and then matching them with businesses on what they're looking for so that both sides can kind of save that frog kissing process somewhat. Yeah. Well, congratulations on identifying a hole in the marketplace and starting to fill it. Thank you. One question that comes to my mind is, is fractional executive leadership a new thing? Uh, no, it is not a new thing. I mean, it's it's certainly been around to some extent for, you know, maybe around 30 years at this point. It's just exploded a lot more. I could, if you want to, I can get into what I think the three main factors, why it's exploding so much more now. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely been exploding more in recent years, but there's been fractional CFOs, I mean, since before the internet. I mean, CFOs and you know, and, and people ask the most intimate details of their business to their accountant, to their lawyer, and that's been going on for over 100 years, hundreds of years. So that's, in a way, a kind of fractional leadership on, on finance or on, on legal and strategy that has been going on for decades, if not centuries. So I wouldn't say it's a completely new concept, but 
Yeah, the explosion, as you're asking, is I think is is because of a confluence of three main factors. I talk about this in the book also, that there is, first of all, the technological factor that people, I call it that the collaboration technology has crossed what I call the, the event horizon. You know, event horizon is this border around a black hole where anything that is outside of it can pass by the black hole, but anything that get that, that passes within this border around the black hole called an event horizon gets sucked in. And I, and I feel like that, you know, as people got, you know, this remote technology collaboration world, that you may have gotten close to it, but you could pass by. But I think in the last two or three, four years, you know, with Zoom and Slack and Google Docs and all these collaboration tools and techniques have just, you know, they're not as annoying as, you know, Skype used to be. And, and there was just a certain level of inconvenience that was part of it. And I think that they they kind of crossed a event horizon where the convenience got good enough that it really stopped being much of a of an obstacle for people actually collaborating remotely and not being limited to those people who coincidentally have to live with, happen to live within 10 to 15 miles of you where there's commuting distance. The second factor is obviously COVID and the lockdowns that, you know, I, and I could certainly testify that like in the business that I built up working with the leadership team, uh, one of my issues was, you know, one of the, one of the, you know, wearing all the hats jobs that I had was all the expansions from one office to the other, one bigger office to the next bigger office to the next bigger office. And the second we move into one, we're like planning how soon we're going to grow out of it and have to move into another. And I was like, gosh, can we slow this down a little bit by at least having a, a partial remote work option? This is pre-COVID. And we're like, no, how could we ever trust our employees if like, you know, they're not going to get any work done. It's going to be so ineffective. You know, let's at least have an experiment. No, I don't know, maybe. And it was just like impossible. And, you know, after COVID, that, that you know, that same company, obviously everyone became fully remote, even at the leadership team level. And they actually never returned to fully in person, even two years later, whatever it is, two years later. And, you know, they just realized that you could, you could be just as effective. You have access to much, much more talent uh, by not being limited by geography. And the only reason they discovered that was because of forced lockdowns, because they were forced to experience it, forced to make it work. Some are genetically engineered against it, not engineered, but, you know, genetically born just to hate it. And others are, you know, found after being forced to do it that, hey, you know, Mikey likes it. Like it's actually, uh, it's actually not that bad. And it's actually can be good at certain benefits. And so, you know, I would think that you maybe went from 20%, 10% of businesses, maybe those who already had a virtual leadership team or a member of the leadership team, which was virtual, that might consider fractional leadership when it was not in person to now, maybe it went from 20% after having experienced it, maybe it's 40 or 50% now that might consider it. And so I just think the number of businesses who need it desperately, who actually would consider it now, I think because of the lockdown experience, a huge, huge number of businesses started being open to it. Um, and so I think that really, really opened up the marketplace. And, and I think the third factor, the third confluence is economic and social insecurity. I think that, you know, we realize that, you know, a virus could come out one day, shut down in-person business the next day and, you know, March 12th, 13th, 2020, who knows what can happen at any time. There could be riots. There's all kinds of things that can happen in social upheaval. And so we don't want to take on giant payroll costs unless we absolutely have to. 
So people are more open to kind of bridge options, kind of stick their toe in the water kinds of options. Hey, maybe never had a CMO before. Maybe if I can get a CMO, you know, for a day a week and see how that goes, do that for a year or two, and then make the jump to full-time and also get a lot more progress for less money uh, by having someone fractionally uh, with, with someone who had a lot more experience than you could get if you paid someone full-time. So I just think those kinds of things together make it a, a great option for uncertain times and where every dollar counts and you don't want to take on recurring expenses uh, unless it's absolutely necessary. There's just too much uncertainty out there. Yeah. No, I think actually the confluence of these three factors that you just described, the availability of collaboration tools, the experience of COVID and the lockdown and economic and social insecurity are really astute. And they, they do paint a picture of, of why now, as opposed to, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. I, I always say that if COVID had happened 20 years earlier, we would not have had this fractional leadership and this in-person revolution that we're having now. It would not have happened, maybe a tiny bit, but it, it would not have, you know, they had some technology then, but it just wouldn't have happened because it wasn't because of that technology piece. Yep. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. I'm really curious about one thing that you mentioned about the the fact that the concept of fractional leadership, that there are various ways that people might use terminology to search for it. Mm-hmm. How do you create common terminology for a new concept? Because that you know that sort of ties it right. It ties into kind of marketing and SEO. But but as as a broader question, I mean, right. So I'm the one trying to do it, right? So I don't. I mean, I don't know. I haven't done it yet. But like, but that's what I'm trying to do. And so I view it as a center of gravity. Like if you look at that black hole analogy, the more mass that gets sucked into that black hole, then the more mass, then the, the stronger its gravitational pull, and the more it will pull in. So that's kind of the approach that I'm taking. Is I wrote this book, Fractional Leadership, Landing Executive Talent, you thought was out of reach. I made this website, fractionalleadership.io. We recently launched a weekly blog. So we're putting out content, articles, putting that stuff on social media, putting it on the blog, putting it on our email newsletter, getting lots of people to write for that blog who are fractional leaders, who are members of the fractional leadership. They're already admitted in the in, in the group in the in this vetted fractional leader platform. And they're now writing articles. And so that's attracting more people. I have the podcast, Win-Win, the Win-Win podcast, which is attached now to fractional leadership. So that's creating more content, more social media, media appearances like this one, you know, and God willing, we'll continue. We'll do more books. We'll do, we'll do more. We'll have conferences. We'll just do more and more to add more value to the people in this fractional executive leadership space and to the business owners who may use them or who do use them. And you know, I feel like the more we could put into that space, the more we could educate, the more we could enrich, the more value we add for people, then we're going to be like that star, that black hole that gets more and more mass over time and attracts other things to it. I want to be the center of gravity. I mean, I want to create this thing so that the industry will have a center of gravity. Like if you want to know about being a doctor, there's the American Medical Association. You know, like there's there's some center of gravity for the space, maybe more than one, but there's some center of gravity for the space. And so I'm just hoping, at least I'm trying to, to fight against that diffusion of interest, that weakening of the entire industry that we all experience because there is like, cause you know, you're just 2000 people, 5,000 people competing with each other for attention to the space. If there was some, you know, if there's some way that we could have a greater, a greater center of gravity than the entire industry, everyone will benefit because everyone in the industry will be more educated about it. 
more people will know about it. It'll be easier to find people. And that's at least what I'm trying to do. I, you know, I don't know scientifically if that's going to work in advance, but that's the hope. Well, it sounds, sounds like a, a great objective. Ben, have you seen particular business models emerging from both the perspective of the fractional leader who's getting paid and also from the perspective of the company, um, how they're budgeting and paying for these services? Are there particular models that seem to be prevalent? Yeah, um, in terms of, yeah, I don't know if this exactly answers the question, but you know, a lot of, like my, my firm, Wolf Sedge Consulting, that does fractional integrator, fractional COO, so we operate like many do on a monthly retainer for a certain set of accountability, a certain set of deliverables that we're delivering to the client. And we estimate that typically those deliverables take about a day a week, give or take, to provide to the client. So that's our model. Um, that's what I did when I was you know, by myself, and that's what I do now when I have other people in addition to myself. So that's one model. I definitely know a lot of people in the fractional leadership space, again, whether it's you know, I'll just I'll give another example from CFOs, right? I know a lot of CFOs that will charge for basically they'll they'll assign kind of like a day rate for you know you'll pay a monthly retainer to get a certain amount of days per month. So their day rate, let's say, is twenty five hundred a month, which is a kind of a common one I've seen. Again, it's you know you find it for more for less, but you know let's say for twenty five hundred a month. So then for a day a week. So then for that you can spend two half days a month with your CFO. Uh, every you know every two weeks or so, or you know, or you could do five thousand a month and spend four half days a, a week, or ten thousand a month and four full days a month, once a week basically. That's another option. I know some who do it uh, who bill by the hour. I personally don't like the hourly billing. A lot of people do it. I mean, a minority, but I think a lot of people do it, and I don't particularly like it because I think it makes people hesitant to call me if I bill by the hour. I want them to like <laughs> if I'm the you know if I'm the CFO, like I don't want people like measuring like they do when they call their attorney, well, should I be calling them? Should I, not, should I not be calling them? And I don't I don't really like it. I also think it, it prioritizes time over results, which I think uh, misaligns the goal of the business, which is to get the results to the more superficial goal of just getting the right time out of them. I think that's not really in the best interest of the business. Yeah, it's actually a conflict of interest, in my opinion. Yeah, right. It incentivizes you to take longer and do less efficient work and get worse results. Well, not worse results, maybe, but like less efficient results. Yeah, definitely agree right, to charge more. So I fully, fully agree with that. Others, I know they go to the other extreme. Like instead of doing a monthly retainer like I do, they'll do a quarterly retainer. They'll say, you know, we need to pay, the business owner will need to pay thirty dollars or $40,000 at the beginning of a quarter. They'll work throughout the full quarter. And they... I mean, I've definitely talked to a number of people who do this. It seems to work very well for them. The goal there, I think the mindset is that they don't want people thinking about their bills. They just, you know, they don't want people thinking like, oh, should we continue? No, like, we already invested it. Let's get the most out of it now. Like, you know, like when you pay for something, you want to like milk it for everything it's worth. So like, let's do what they're saying. Let's tell them about all the issues. Let's work through everything with them because we already paid this, you know, this big this big uh, lump of money. So let's let's get the maximum maximum results from it, and then, of course, the decision is for the following quarter should they continue. But that's how they um, that's how some do it. Yeah. Now I do have a question for folks that are high achieving professionals at the executive level that may be at a point in their career where they're not really all that happy about their employment situation. I hear that. Right, which is quite common. Or they may already have been pushed out. Yep. 
why should they consider the fractional leadership model? And how does what you've learned about it and what you teach, how, how does it overcome their fears? That's a, it's a complicated question. I mean, I wouldn't say it's for everybody. I think that there's a risk barrier that differentiates uh, some people from other people. There are people who are just not wired to be willing to take risk or to have that kind of entrepreneur. You know, a solopreneur is not the same as an entrepreneur. Like you're not building a full business that, you know, it, it is like a job in the sense that your entire revenue is coming from your own work. So it, it is different from an, a, real, a regular entrepreneurial business in that sense. But in one way that it's similar is that is that an entrepreneur with a regular business and a, and a solopreneur, someone who went solo, is taking on a risk. Um, not everybody's wired for that risk. So I mean, that's one thing I think you have to ask yourself. But in terms of in terms of whether that's something you should consider, actually, somebody even today, <laughs> I actually had a call with somebody today looking for a fractional integrator and asked me if I would join his company. And it's, you know, it's just, I instantly answer when everyone you know, asks something like that, which is just, I mean, I don't say it quite this way, but what do you think I'm freaking crazy? Like, why on earth would I want to go back to having a job again? <laughs> like the, the uh, okay, so on the risk piece. Yeah, and, and why do you think you'd be freaking crazy to go back and have a job again? Right, okay, so on the risk piece, <laughs> so on, on the risk piece, so the, the hardest part really is that initial bridge from full-time to, to fully booked solopreneur or close to fully booked solopreneur. That's the hardest part because- you know, you go from having zero revenue to some and then more and then more. Eventually, you know, where you feel like it's enough. And so that's that's one challenge. You know, the, the hard part is getting past that, past that initial bridge. But let's just talk about post that bridge first, even though it's hard to think about that if you're not there yet, which is that you have a much less risk as a fractional, as a solopreneur, you have much less risk than you do as a full-time employee. Because as a full-time employee, as many of us have experienced, as the example that you just gave, you could lose your job. You can you have one client, that client accounts for 100% of your revenue. If you lose that one client, that employer, then you have zero. And so that's a much, much greater risk. All of your eggs are in one basket. Whereas if you are have gone solo, if you're a solopreneur or at a firm, with other fractional integrators, fractional leaders of, of one kind or another, then you have diversified your risk. Now, if I have three clients that I am getting, you know, a day a week with each one, and I lose one of them, uh, then first of all, I am already in the business development business. So I have potential people that I could go to in somewhat of a pipeline and to try to replace that client. But second of all, I still have two-thirds of my revenue. And even that two-thirds of my revenue is probably equal to or most likely higher than what I was making. Even the two clients out of the three are typically higher than what I was making in my full-time job because the amount that you charge, if you're charging appropriately, as a fractional leader or as a consultant or some kind of going solo professional is much higher if you break it down per hour, it's much higher than what you're making if you broke it down per hour at a full-time job. And therefore, you should ideally be you know, probably making equal to or more than what you made when you were full-time, even successful, just from two-thirds of, the, of, of, of a full client load, whatever that full client load means for you. So you have a lot more diversification of risk. Your eggs are spread out in several baskets. And so you're actually safer on the risk front, which I think is the scariest part of it. One path for uh, you know, one path, I think we talked about this because I had you on my podcast as well. And one one path we talked about was, you know, was getting, you know, was doing one fractional leadership gig as a side hustle while you had your full-time job, if if that's still an option. 
And uh, I know you have some other great ideas for for ways to make that bridge. And then while you have that first gig, you're kind of killing yourself, right? Working your full time plus the side gig, uh, plus the side hustle, fractional leadership gig, and then simultaneously have a third job, which is your business development, trying to get the second gig. And once you get the second gig, then give your notice at your job, and then you start with two clients. So that's you know kind of one way to think about it. But the other thing, which is the money, which I just said, in terms of what the benefit is of doing it, I find, is that you get cut. Yeah, this is a several benefits. A second one is you make more money. Honestly, you make more money. Why would I want to go back to getting full time? I'm making more than even just for my own work, putting aside what, what the money I make through other people. I'm making more through just my own work. I'm making more than double what, than what I did when I was full time. So, like if you're charging appropriately, that's that's bottom line what you should be doing. So that's another benefit is the financial benefit. The third thing is it's just more interesting than being full-time <laughs> because if you're full-time, then you have all of your time, all of your energies with one client. You end up doing all the annoying things and the, and the admin stuff that ends up going along with it. And if there's emergencies and fires, you're always up all hours of the day and night taking care of it. And that just gets old after a while. You don't want to do it anymore. Wouldn't it be great if you could focus on the most challenging, interesting parts of the job, the most, the, the parts that use the highest parts of you, you know, to work on those parts of the job. Wouldn't that be more fun? I mean, that's that's one aspect of it. The other thing is that once you are in building mode, typically you're fixing or building something as a fractional leader. Uh, even a lot of consulting is like that too. You're building something or you're fixing, revamping, you know, repairing something. So there's a, a big excitement that comes from doing that kind of work. If you're full-time, like once the building and the fixing is done, it just gets boring. It becomes maintenance mode, tweaking mode, and it's just not as interesting, at least to me. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why when I was at the full-time place where it was successful, we built this business, took it from, like I said, zero revenue, like you said in the introduction, to uh, the largest organization of its type in New York State. It was over 130 people at the time. But when the time I left, from from when I was the first full-time employee when we first started, and, you know, and at some point it just got to be like, okay, just I'm tweaking. Like, I just didn't feel challenged. I didn't feel like I was accomplishing much. I wasn't getting a lot of satisfaction from what I was doing and building anymore. And that's why I wanted to leave. Yeah, no, um, I feel like we've just scratched the surface of everything that you've kind of unearthed and learned and teach about a very effective way to go solo. Ben, if somebody wants to go deeper with anything that you've shared today, learn more, get a copy of your book, access any resources you have, you clearly you have tons of content, as you mentioned, where is the best place for them to go? Uh, best place is fractionalleadership.io, not .com, but .io, fractionalleadership.io. And of, of course, get the book. It's on Amazon. By the time you hear this, it actually may be on Audible as well on Amazon. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, Kindle, paperback, hardcover, and and... Around the time this comes out, it should be also be on Audible. Uh, so definitely get the book and, and check out the website. There's, there's good info on the website. You can also get in touch with us that way. Sounds great. My guest today has been the founder and CEO of Fractional Leadership, Ben Wolf. Thank you again, Ben, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode, along with the links we mentioned on the show. Knowing how you can work within a new business model and framework is critical to your long-term success. 
Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, we provide the kinds of tools and resources you need to support your business success, as well as access to experts, answers to your burning questions, and the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com community. That's smashingtheplateau.com community. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.